was always kept locked. It was the garage. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving. Now you're burning, burning cars. Tell them it's your car and you do what you want with it. I own this car, I do as I please. I also own the highway. My taxes pay for that. They're both mine. I own the highway and I own the car. I own everything out Welcome to the Throwing Wrenches Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Throwing Wrenches Podcast. This is Eric Stahl. I'm Daryl Scott. And we have a special guest. We do. Yeah. Introduce yourself, guest. Hi, I'm Jacob Irish, <laughs> the guest. The guest. All right. So this show is going to be the Jake Irish show. We'll be talking about some four-wheeling that Jake and I did uh, last weekend. Uh, but in the meantime, let's go over our, our show notes here. This is the Peoria podcast for cars that you deserve, right? I, I think so. I think we've finally settled on that. And we are a member, a quasi-member of the Peoria Podcast Alliance. Cool. Probably... Who are meeting tonight without us. I was going to say, we probably should change our record nights because they always coincide with their meeting nights. But love you, love your shows, guys yeah. and gals. If you don't know, Daryl Scott and his dulcet tones are famous in central Illinois and downstate Illinois for uh, being all over the airwaves. And he's kind of a car nut on the side as well. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, Eric is also a full-time car nut who also has a nice horde of wonderful Toyotas of various (laughs) makes, models, uh, years, and might have another one at some point. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, I tried. I tried this week. And Jake, uh, Jake's a good buddy uh, of uh, of Eric's, and uh, and you also are into the four-wheel drive vehicles, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, a lot of the Toyota four-wheel drive vehicles. Mm -hmm. What's in your garage, Jake? What's in my garage? What's in my garage this week? <laughs> this or... week. Well, currently, yeah. I mean, by the time this episode's released, we don't know what you'll actually have. you got to turn yeah, some inventory. I, I have a, a 2017 TRD Pro 4Runner and a 2018 uh, Toyota Tacoma TRD Pro. Nice. So I'm, I'm sensing a little bit. We, we got some his and her uh, TRD Pros in the driveway. <laughs> it's a tough situation yeah, at the house, rough. I think. it's rough. It's all right. It's good stuff. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I want to say thanks to the folks who have listened. Uh, we've got a little bit of feedback here and there. Um, we uh, we always appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email. We're at info at throwinwrenches.com. You can also hit us up on the old Facebook or, uh, you know, leave a comment on the podcast site itself, throwinwrenches.com. I'm kind of proud of you knowing that info at throwinwrenches. I mean, I that's, this is, what are we, about 15 or 16 <laughs> shows <laughs> If I'm like, I'm, I'm giving out like hotmail addresses that don't exist. I don't. Yeah. Somebody's getting our email. Right. Anyways, now, now it sounds like uh, based on the amount of conversation I had from a, a future sponsor for the show, that uh, for the June episodes that the Casey Law Center will be a sponsor for Throwing Wrenches podcast. Are you serious? Serious. It was the koozie. <laughs> it was the shout out to the koozie. That I'm did not it. sure if it was the koozie or me blowing his web address in the last episode. I'm Maybe. not sure. Yeah. It, might have, it might have been. Either way, that's exciting. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be talking to uh, Casey. And don't forget, folks, if you want us to uh, talk about you and shill your product and put you on our website, uh, we're just an info at com away. And if you know someone who's cool that we should talk to, I mean, Jake, you're cool. Nah. 
Sometimes. You are. But <laughs> if you know other cool people out there, let's face it, uh, there's a lot of folks out there that we probably run into here at a show or just out in the community or a friend of a friend kind of thing. Yeah. Put us in touch. We'd love to meet them. Love to put you on the show. Got a weird solicitation, Eric, via, um, I don't know if you saw that message. It was like some woman who's a Porsche rebuilder out in California. No, I didn't see that. Is that I, on our Facebook page? I saw it at like midnight last night and I didn't want to text you because I thought that was weird. Send you pictures of a woman with a Porsche. I'm like, <laughs> eh, it's kind of weird. But yeah, we'll talk more about that. But uh, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, we do kind of like Porsches here. For some reason, <laughs> we see a few of these in our uh, dream garages. They come up a lot. Yeah. They might come up again tonight. Yeah, they might. <laughs> All right. Uh, one last thing I do want to throw out there. Shout out to Regan. Uh, he was illin like a villain here about a week <laughs> or so ago. But uh, I hear he's back with Bob Dylan. <laughs> Way to go. It's a, it's a Beastie Boys line. Haven't you heard that one? Anyway, I have, I have. Regan, shout out. Get well. Yeah, get well soon. We'll yeah. send you some corn dogs to recoup. <laughs> gross what do I- <laughs> projects what are you working on eric you got stuff that is on the uh, on the old docket oh god you're always man. working here on the ranch all right well i could talk about this grocery list i have from great smoky mountain trail ride uh, maybe we'll get to that when we start talking about the great smoky mountain, mountain trail ride but oh, okay upper control arms skid tank um plate plate on there the tires jacked up my front bumper got a little tweaked uh hidden winch mounts bent and uh, <laughs> it needs a cleaning. I don't know. Um, but Just no, a few things. But here's what I've been doing. And I posted a video on the Throwing Wrenches Facebook page. And um, I don't know if you saw that or not. I saw the pictures. I saw the, the collection of pics. I didn't see a video. Yeah. Oh, way to go. Well, maybe I didn't post it. Anyway, um, I, I'm going with the Dean Plumador here. You know, Dean said, don't chase unicorns. Uh, <laughs> I can see the waterfalls going through your head right now. Mm-hmm. Just saying that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm chasing unicorns. I'm, uh, I changed... Oil filter, I changed the antifreeze, I changed uh, the fluid in my transmission. I, my tractor would literally bog down after 10 or 15 minutes and just die. And I can't restart until it cools down. Huh. And uh, so I'm going through it and getting ready to buy some injectors for it. It's a diesel, it's a two-cylinder Kubota diesel tractor. And I'm like, you know, I did one thing this year that I've never done in my entire life. I put some heat in the, in the fuel. Okay, and some like C- an anti-gel kind like of thing? Like a C-teen or? or whatever that stuff is. Yeah. And then I started reading up on that. I'm like, there's that can actually add like a film onto your fuel filter. Uh, it can cause some problems if it stays in there too long. And I don't burn that much fuel. You could run that tractor with that five-gallon tank for probably a week before that thing would run out. So I never really used up all the fuel that was in there this winter. And so I'm like, you know, why don't I just change the fuel filter and put some fresh fuel in it? And we'll see yeah. if that fixes it. So the fuel filter arrived today from Amazon, and I got the fresh gas waiting to go. So... I think I'm going to fix the tractor this week. Instead of going through everything else I've been blowing my brains out with, let's just go with the thing that maybe, just maybe. Start simple. Yeah, that I screwed up earlier this winter. Well, I hope so, because with all the rain and everything, I know the grass weeds have been growing like crazy. Oh, yeah. So uh, it'd be good to have a functioning tractor with a little brush (laughs) hog. Oh, the wife is thrilled. Yeah. You know, I, I mowed like two passes in the pasture. And then I had to stop. The tractor's just down there. She drives up the driveway, and she's like, oh, let me guess. It's broken again. <laughs> she doesn't sound like a smoker like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, It's the, not the Marge Simpson voice? No, no. No, that's like Selma, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, what do you got going on, man? Uh, it's time for some drive shaft, sh- drive shaft service. None of us can speak to that. I can't, yeah. No, it's a, it's a Tahoe. I got uh, 99 Tahoe Limited. Uh, with the LS swap, which is uh, that part's running fine. It's the trans likes to leak a little bit out the tail shaft, and I think it's because this is just my hunch. I think that either the drive shafts out of balance or the U joints are about to go, and I think the thing is kind of wobbled around enough. It's chewed up that tail shaft bushing inside the extension housing. 
So it started with just a little spot here and there, and after it sat on a weekend, I'm like, eh, it's not a big deal. Now it's to a point where it, it looks like the prom scene in Carrie uh, every time I park <laughs> it in a parking lot or my own driveway, which is kind of gross. So i got to fix that. So I'm, I'm taking uh, recommendations for driveline shops or somebody. I mean, I can do it, but I'm at the point where I just, I'm tired of laying on my back and wrestling with heavy stuff. So Man, We got a lift for sale at the dealership. I, I took one out last week. Did you? Yeah. So what, you, what kind? It's like a 9,000-pound rotary. That should do it. Yeah. So you just put that. I used to maybe raise your roof in your garage about 10 feet. <laughs> it's just, just, yeah. cut, just cut a hole in the roof. Just let it go. I Actually, put it in your driveway. Sarah would be okay with that, with a lift in the driveway. <clears throat> I've seen pictures of guys that do that, and yeah. that always like kind of worries me. Like, what about rain? What about... I mean, it's how does steel, that even work? It's steel. Yeah. I think the lift part would be okay. It's the motor and... The hydraulics. And, yeah, you want to make sure you got those lubricated all the time. Yeah. I'm sure there's a vinyl cover, like a grill cover you can throw over it, right? Just a Harbor Freight tarp and call it good. <laughs> I'm some sure bun- the neighbors Some bungees wrapper. Yeah. Make sure it's camo. Na- the uh, neighbors will love that. Exactly. Other than that, yeah, I swapped in. I spent a lot of time on an afternoon <laughs> because the AM radio on my Volvo, my 69 Volvo 144, was not working. I tried everything, took it apart, you know, just kind of made sure all the caps weren't blown. And that's about the extent of my electronic wizardry. I'm mm-hmm. like, everything looks like it's supposed to be there. And uh, so I got kind of frustrated. And then I started going through, cleaning out my garage. I hung some new cabinets up. And I was going through some totes, and I found an old Delco AM radio. I that thought was, you were at a thrift shop when I saw that picture. That was in your garage. It was huh? in my garage, and I forgot <laughs> I even had it. I bought it for my truck. I got a 76 C20 pickup, and I bought an AM FM. And this guy had this thing in a box, and it was like a Craigslist meetup kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, it's a new old stock. It's an old de- uh, Delco. It's... It's perfect for your truck. And I'm like, okay. And I get there, and it's this AM radio. And it does, it's the wrong size and everything. He's like, well, you still want it? And I was like, <laughs> no, but, you know, I'll buy it. So I bought it like 20 bucks, like 10 years ago. Bottom line is it's the weird smaller import size shaft length or whatever. It's Volvo size? It's, it fits the dash perfect. All I did was I fabbed up a wiring harness, and now I'm listening to... Uh, you know, like Captain and Tennille and WIRL stuff I was going to say, what, what are the AM music stations in Peoria? Basically that, or I listen to JBC out of Bloomington. Okay. Um, but most of the time it's just WIRL, because they mostly play stuff from that late 60s, early 70s vintage, mm-hmm. which which just works. <laughs> they also have Wayne R. Miller's Saturday Night Dance Party, oh. which is disco. So if you guys like disco. Oh, I thought that was H. Wayne Wilson for a second. No. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. He might have his own dance party. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a, what I'm working on. All right. all right, that's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe you had an old AM radio. I mean, think about that twenty bucks. You could have parlayed that into a cheeseburger years ago. I could have, and but you put it instead into an AM radio, and now it's it's come back and, and bear, bore fruit. It has. It has much better investment than the big and nasty, <laughs> the big and tasty, whatever. Big and they tasty. <laughs> I think uh, twenty years ago it was probably the. Uh, what was the Monster McDLT? Burger? The Monster Burger. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I got sick on one of those one time. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Jake, uh, are you working on stuff? Hey, I, I don't necessarily work on my on my own stuff. You should have forts do it. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, we don't uh, plug forts on everybody. You're welcome to do that since you're hey, a guest. I'm, I'm, I'm a customer. No, I just had a, a <laughs> supercharger <laughs> in, installed on the Forerunner. Oh, really? So that got done today. Yeah. No it's, kidding. Um, it's How, awesome. How's it run? It's awesome. Uh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Favorite part about it is, uh, you know, when you're driving it just normal, it's just normal, and that's the best part. Sometimes you, you do things to cars, you put too much power in them. Suddenly, you can't drive them like you used to. It ruins it. It ruins it. <laughs> it ruins it. 
Yeah, I, I I have not been there, but I've had friends that have done that before. And I was like, yep, yeah, I just killed the car, and now I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I, I had a Camaro that did it, too. Love driving it. And then I put, you know, cam and heads and all that stuff, and I was like, I hate driving this yeah. thing. You're on the interstate for 20 minutes, yep. you can't hear anything. No, nope, you The ride's you're terrible. You're yeah. yeah, the best thing about a supercharger was uh, we'd ordered it before the trip, and he... It didn't come in in time, and then when mm. it did arrive, it was like two days before the trip. And we're like, eh, yeah. there's sometimes some software stuff. Can, and as it turned out, it was better that we waited till after because there was a bunch of extra stuff we had to do on it. Uh, okay. But the amount of dirt that was basically under that truck, the technician was like, really? Really? Like you you had to bring it crawl. back? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, he, crawl around the amount the of dirt that that thing probably had was, was there was so much water. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it, but there yeah. was so much water at the last trip that uh, – I even hosed it off, and, and Eric was sending me videos of the tech just, you know, cussing all the dirt. And I thought, I didn't take the cover off. <laughs> oh. Well, I was going to ask, too, is it a, what's in there, a four-liter? Yeah, four-liter V6. And what do they put out stock? Oh, uh, like, what is it, Eric, Two, 270? And I think the supercharger puts it up to about 350. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a lot of gain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bigger injectors and all that stuff, too, or is it? Oh, I don't think on that one it gets different injectors. It just... Ups the duty on cycle the, on or the, something. On the Tundra, it gets injectors, but yeah, the t- uh, the four liter does not. It's a pretty stout motor from mm-hmm. from what I think you guys were talking about yeah. before. And actually, it's a pretty tame tune. I think you can really jack it up more if you want. Uh, but this this tune stays keeps everything factory warranty and all that. So. Okay, so it's actual Toyota part. No, well, gonna... no, it's based on an old Toyota part. Toyota get, got out of the supercharger game a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Which was disappointing because it was kind of fun to have a factory supercharger. Yeah. Magnuson is a company we use, and uh, they basically cloned you know the factory one they uh, have some of the same staff actually from toyota's program you know helping them with that one gotcha so, so i remember that when the scions were big that was a, that was a popular add-on it's like you just go to the you know the i didn't even think they brand didn't they brand them as trd super yeah oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah no it was great it was phenomenal it was like i said and the best part was you still kept your factory warranty so hey you got a hundred twenty five thousand mile powertrain warranty Guess what? It's a yeah. factory supercharger. Everything stays on there. So, and we never had problems with it. It's not like you can say, "Oh, that was ripping off the warranty." Not even an issue. No, no. It's probably super engineered, and I mean, they're not, they're not going to release something that's going to blow more, you know, motors up. So, you got anything you're doing in your Tacoma or anything? No, actually, um, the Tacoma is probably one of those vehicles we're we're not going to keep uh, very long. <laughs> You know, by the time this show is released, there's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the Tacoma, how the Tacoma came about, I was uh, St. Patrick's Day driving in town. I looked, I I almost ran a light that went yellow on University and War, but I didn't. I I stopped. I looked to my left and over there on the train, up on this pedestal, it's a Calvary Blue Tacoma. Mm. And I I have a buddy of mine that works at train, and I was like, oh, man, you don't ever see that. (laughs) <laughs> so I go online. I'm trying to look it up, and it, it was listed as like it was listed as a manual. It didn't have any pictures. So I text him. I was like, "Hey, you're really holding out on me here." And he texts me back Monday. Oh, we'll go look at it. And I thought, "Yeah, I'll come look at it because it was had 2,300 miles on it and uh, brand new." Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, the guy bought it from Forks. Yeah, he did. Um, I remember what he bought. I got I loaded him up with patches and stickers. <laughs> I'm like, "All right, man, you gonna come out with us?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> He he traded in on a ZR2 Colorado. Uh, the manager at Uftring was super cool. He was like, we didn't give much for it. Yeah. 
um, you know, the manager, he was like, it has a cool graphics package. And I'm like, yeah, graphics package. Graphics, yeah. Just uh, graphics. Moral of the story is I, I got a really good deal on it. Uh, he definitely got hosed. <laughs> it, you know, 2018 had 2,300 miles on it. And um, the initial thought was you know, we traded in my wife's. She had a, a 2013 Avalon. The initial thought was that she was going to drive the 4Runner. She wanted the 4Runner. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll start building up the Tacoma. And, um, I started driving the Tacoma, never admitted it to my wife, did not like it, missed the forerunner. Okay. I'm like, okay, happy wife, you know, happy wife, sure. happy life. Is and, it the versatility uh, of the forerunner or something? What, what specifically did you miss about for it? For me in, in the forerunner, um the the four liter was just a better motor. It didn't uh it didn't shift as often. It was more manly. Well, uh, it, the new Tacoma gotcha. was touted as high technology better fuel economy, and a lot of things they did on it was they made it more, I don't want to say car-like, but the intelligence of the vehicle runs more like a car. So it's got more gears, it's shifting more, okay. you know, trying to find ideal, you know. Fantastic. Uh, you know, a fantastic vehicle. We, I was happy with the purchase overall, but I kept going back, like, how am I going to wheel this thing? Because right. I wheel. Right. And one day, uh, my wife said, hey, I bought something on Facebook. I need the truck. I said, we haven't had a truck for four years. Suddenly you bought something on <laughs> right. Facebook and need the truck. Uh, she drove it, uh, came home and was like, I like the truck. You know, inside I'm like, yes. <laughs> we got one. I'm back to my forerunner. Yeah, I'm back to my forerunner. So, no, but now, um, you know, she, she's had it for a while and she's like, hey, it doesn't get as good a gas mileage. <laughs> But, you know, I, it, moral of the story is I originally bought it. It was a great deal. Um, they're, they're highly sought-after vehicles. It's sure. a highly sought-after color. It's mm -hmm. something that we're probably going to sell. Uh, she's actually looking at uh, a RAV4 at Fort. So I'll plug Fort again. So I, yeah, it's go. crazy. This, this is why. He's like, what's in my garage? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, you might find out later tonight. It's, oh, you, it, might, totally it might change. Oh, yeah. my God. That's hilarious. God bless my wife. She puts up with me doing all that. You know, what? The, the forerunner sounds like it's a mutual this. agreement to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's definitely not a good influence. I thought for sure the Tacoma. I was like, my wife will talk me out of it. I'll go visit, and my wife didn't. So I was like, I'm going to call Eric. And yeah, he's he'll, he'll someone will talk me out of it. I attempted to. It's no, it didn't happen. No one talked me out of it. I've tried that before. I've tried to, you know, like <laughs> I'm kind of interested in this, but and then you rattle off the reasons why you shouldn't buy it, and it never works. No. At least in my household, my wife's like, "Just buy it. You know, you're going to be pissed if you don't." You know, it, it, it was a good deal. Uh, the, the guy I bought it from, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. I bought a lot of cars from him. He he treated me good, and I was comfortable doing it because, like I was saying, those things are just they're sought after. Right. Uh, Is that that world. real bright? No, uh, no, it's no it's more solid. Subdued. It's okay. like a muted grayish. It's more blue. like a natural, like an earthy. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Blue. Earth tones. Earth tone. Yeah, because they have that. They got beige. They got a, a couple really, actually, actually really nice shades of that kind of muted color. I remember. Yeah, well, and that's one thing they've actually done very well. I mean, when you look at the rest of the lineup of, of vehicles at Toyota, generally, I look at the Jeep store next to me all day. It's like a rainbow. It's like Skittles out there. They got purple and green. And orange. It's getting. I think it's getting to the point now where they can't sell those vehicles because they got the whole front row covered with yellow and orange yeah. and green. Uh, but there was a time there where I'm like, we don't have anything. We got gray and white and black. Gray, and, white, and black. And maybe some maroon. And But now we're starting to get a couple bright blue cars. I, I saw we sold one of those bright blue Corolla wagons the other day. And I'm like, that car is a little hatchback. It's a tight little car. And with that color, looks Toyota looks likes blue. 
Huh. <laughs> they, they do. Yeah, you're right. See, and I remember the first Toyotas I saw, like, I had an aunt that had an old 70s Corolla that was like a banana yellow, and I yeah, thought I that was a those. cool car. Yeah. yeah. I think they had an orange one, well, too. Well, uh, my uh, dad's Datsun when I was a kid was banana yellow was wagon. It? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So now we get to the part of the show where we talk about the news. We normally would start with national or international news, but there's nothing really there, Daryl. And you got a couple national news stories. Would you like to share? Sure. Well, the one that I picked up is is kind of a piggyback to uh, what you and I were talking about, where Ford is. Uh, there's some bloodshed at Ford. Uh, I guess recently they uh, they are calling it a smart redesign, but basically it's <laughs> it's a mass layoff, if you will. Uh, they laid off 7,000 salaried workers. Uh, most of those, I think, were in the Detroit area, or Dearborn area, so mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, and they're going to actually wind up kind of finishing that round of layoffs here by August. And the company says they need to cut another 23,000 salary jobs in the near term <laughs> to fulfill its financial goals. That's according to an article in Detroit Free Press. That's a lot of people. That's a, that's a lot of – I mean, when you – cut that much how much fat is in this organization that there's 23,000 jobs now what i've understood is the 7,000 were us and that the 23,000 the majority of those are going to be Global. overseas okay yeah but still and they do have i will say ford has traditionally had a huge operation over over in europe i mean uk and and elsewhere there i mean they they've they've got a big market uh, overseas but yeah, it just begs the question: how, how, What types of jobs are those? I know it's it's easy to just kind of say salary jobs, but is that middle management? Is that project managers? Is it? I mean, is it line workers? I mean, I, I guess would those be salary? Or those hourly? I don't even know yeah. anymore. I yeah. think the games change so much when it comes to manufacturing and and uh, and how that works. But uh, similar to Caterpillar, I think they're going to probably level out. But that does go. The thing I always heard with with some companies like automakers and like heavy equipment manufacturers is the reason they get so top heavy. The reason so many jobs have, you know, a big impact when they said, oh, we're going to lay off 10,000 people. Well, how many other workers are there? A lot. Because what I always heard, and I don't know if there's any truth to this, this is all kind of just, you know, (laughs) hearsay. (laughs) But they said what happens usually is somebody will get promoted to run a project. Mm -hmm. Hey, you're going to be a design team to re-engineer the water pumps on the next generation of, you know, focuses. Well, they put a team together and they get all these people together. Well, then they don't want to get demoted. They don't want to take them down. So they're, they're now a project manager, and they just kind of stay at that level and keep going and going and going, as opposed to being a draftsman or a, you know, an engineer or some, a design lead or tech or something like that. So you kind of get, I guess, roped into these projects and then a title, and then you stay at that title and move on up. So there's 23,000 job improvements that uh, they just didn't <laughs> unwind. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what you do normally is say, all right, you did a great job on that. Now you're going to go back to where you were at before right. until we have another uh, another big job coming up, right? One would think. One yeah. would think. So while that's been going on, uh, Ford's been kind of making headlines and that, there. And that news was a couple of weeks ago. I had actually put that on this note sheet, I think, uh, right when we went down to on our trip, Jake. So we're, okay, we, were gonna, weeks. we were going to do a show right before. This. this news has been going on for two weeks. And then now today you, you got this whopper. I don't, I don't even know. This looks like the onion. Well, I, and I didn't really believe it until I started seeing like Jim Cramer and a couple of the uh, Yahoo finance and uh, the street, which I don't, I don't have any investments. I'm, I don't follow any of that. <laughs> well, Kramer stuff. used to be fun to watch. He was. Now he has a pizza place, by the way. What? Him and his wife run a pizza place and like, uh, Brooklyn. How obnoxious do you think that place is? It's it's insane. Watch, there's a Barstool pizza review yeah. uh, with the Davy Page views, and he's talking to Jim Cramer eating a flaming hot pizza on the sidewalk. He's like, this is my restaurant, and he's all sweaty. Anyways. <laughs> sell, 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 sell. It's, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> but 
now I want to watch that. I'm going to pull up the audio. Um, so today, yeah, I'm, I'm cruising Facebook and I see a thing like Ford and GM possible merger talks. And I'm like, what? And uh, it's basically this was from MarketWatch.com. And they were saying that uh, Fiat, Chrysler, and a proposed merger with Renault would create the world's third largest automaker. And there's talks that Ford and GM execs are talking about teaming up to kind of shore things up here stateside. Because, as we know, we've talked before, Volkswagen, number one yeah, automaker. Toyota's got some serious heft when it comes to a global marketplace. Um, that leaves automakers here in the States kind of not doing so hot. And Fiat Chrysler's talking about a merger. Well, that's a big deal. So uh, they kind of laid out the case that maybe there's some talks for that. Not quite sure where that would end up as far as like antitrust or monopoly stuff because they said combined Ford and GM would actually only still make up 30% of the uh, sales here in the U.S. That seems crazy to me right there. That number seems low. You'd think it'd be like 50 or 60%. You would. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot of competition in the States now. Well, and I think we've seen the, uh, I'd say the big three, the big two <laughs> that yeah. are left, yeah. slide. They've been sliding. They've been struggling to keep up. We've heard Ford talk about trying to get rid of the cars out of their lineup because mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. just buying F-150s, I guess, or crossovers. Um, and GM, frankly, I think since the bankruptcy has really struggled to find their niche. They've had a little traction in China. They've kind of shed some weight when it comes to getting rid of Pontiac and Saturn and stuff like that, try to streamline their operations. But if you look at them, they're still, I think, throwing anything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So I think since 2001, we've already seen things like, yeah, Ford, we were talking before the show, uh, Jake was mentioning, you know, they got rid of Mercury. They kind of downsized and consolidated some of that. Chrysler shed Plymouth. I mean, at the end, are we just going to see three car companies in the <laughs> States? I mean... Well, I, I know, uh, like, Toyota's working with Mazda very closely. Right? They're mm-hmm. building a joint factory. Uh, and, of course, Nissan, they've been talking about Fiat and Chrysler and all that. I mean, these yeah. – and I think Mitsubishi is also part of that organization tree too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, all these companies see ways to cut costs. I mean, if if we can get one glass supplier and now we have a bigger market share buying from that glass supplier, you know, we can get better deals. There's certainly advantages to being sure. married to all these other companies. But, but, it, but Ford and GM, I mean, this is like Coke and Pepsi. Right. This is like yeah. this is like Bud Light and Miller Light. Yeah. You cannot have – I mean, there are families, like Cubs and Cards fans, that have argued for 100 years over who's got the better vehicle in the garage. You marry those two companies together, those people, they're lost. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I never really got into the, the big debates in my household because my dad and I and a lot of you know my uncle and stuff are like, hey, we like cars – of all kinds. It doesn't matter what they are. Cars are cool. Yeah. Um, but I know there were, you know, you go to a cruise in or something, so I'd be like, get that piece of crap Mustang out of this, you know, <laughs> guy in a Corvette yelling at you. And it's like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. But I think we've talked, the consumers today are not brand loyal. They're, They're not, about not at all. What speaks to them, what their price is and availability and convenience, stuff like that. They don't care that, you know, if, if their parents grew up buying Toyotas mm-hmm. and they see a Nissan that's cool in some, you know, some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form, they're going to go with that, which is kind of changing the game when it comes to a lot of these automakers. I think a lot of them, I want to say domestic and more so than any, any other, has rested on the laurels that, oh, well, people are just always going to buy Ford, so... Yeah. We'll just keep putting out. I, that's that's a very true statement. I think that a lot of it's gotten stagnant. You, 
you talk to people, and there is no. I mean, to me, I'm I'm pretty loyal to, to Toyota. You mm-hmm. know, I have right now. But when time. I first met you, you were a Jeep guy. Yeah, I was not a Jeep guy. <laughs> How'd uh, that happen? So yeah, that's how I met. That's how I met him. So was, uh, yeah. bro- broke down at the Badlands. For <laughs> pretty real? much, pretty much. No, for real. Like, um, <laughs> and you were soliciting like toes <laughs> no, from the no, edge. But I, but I didn't know. <laughs> I'll winch you out if you be. Uh, I did I, know I some Russian a, guys with tools over there. Yeah, so, yeah. I I, uh, I had a couple, you know, Chevys, uh, some Colorados here and there, but. Uh, when I was younger, I, I, had, to, I had some Toyotas. I had a, had a 93 Forerunner and, and okay. a, a, a couple of them, actually. <laughs> actually, I think I've had three 93 Forerunners. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, I, had, uh, I had bought a Jeep um, for like the first time ever because my cousin had had a Jeep. And I was like, okay, I'll get back into four-wheeling. You know? Sure. And went to the Badlands, broke it a couple times, and I was like, I'm... I'm I'm going back to Toyota. Like, I, can't, I can't do this. Like Eric saw me one day. He knew my look on my face was I'm done. Like he's and absolutely he's, done. Is it a TJ or? I, I it was. It was an 04 Rubicon TJ Wrangler, which on paper should be a oh yeah, pretty less than awesome hundred thousand yeah. miles. But the the rear miles. shocks had it separated just... from the uh, the box, and they got these little these little clips that hold under the body. Garbage and, and for real. Stu- oh. The stupidest setup really for an off road vehicle. Yeah, it's not not well set up, and then. All the nuts and everything were frozen on it, so he wasn't getting anything Everything. Apart. So would you drive with, like, a shock dragon on the ground? Behind? Oh, yeah. I went, I went all the way back <laughs> oh, no. home on the springs on a TJ. Just bounce. And just bounce. That sounds um, amazing. But, no, just just to piggyback off what you were talking about, I, I do think the manufacturers were just people will buy on the name recognition of Mustang. Mm-hmm. They'll just buy it because it's a Mustang. And, yeah. And uh, you see what that does to the Taurus. You know, it didn't do nothing. They changed the name, and they still don't sell any of them. So. Right. Imagine the dismay, because I know this for a fact, where you're losing market share. Imagine working at an automobile retailer and knowing that you're losing market share every year. And it's almost out of your power. Yeah. I mean, how does that feel? What, well, what, what do you do when you own that franchise? It's You get really clever with how you try to sell it. and $15,000 off. That's the thing. We, yeah. we are seeing incentives on some of these cars. and. It's enough to lure some people out, I'll be honest. And yeah. if you can get a little more buying power, that's great. But you're still, at the end of the day, stuck with something that you're pretty pretty much not going to be happy with. Yeah. And it's not to slight. Uh, well, there's so, so there's some GM stuff that's decent. There's, there's some Ford there's stuff that's There's a butt for great. every seat, Daryl. That's what we Absolutely. say in the business. Absolutely. But I will also say, if you're taking out a 72-month car note to pay for something with $15,000 72. Of We're going 84, baby, or 96 months. They're out there. You know it. Yeah, it's no thanks. I'd rather have something that, you know, is going to hold up. All right, on other shady news going on in the industry right now, uh, this, uh, I don't, I didn't put that where it was from. But anyway, the headline was, U.S. drops plans to require brake throttle override systems. This came out on May 13th. Uh, you may remember a couple of years ago that uh, when the whole crisis was going on with cars driving out of control, whether it was an Audi or whether it was a Toyota, uh, the federal government thought this would be great if we mandate it so that you have a system in your car that the brake pedal will always trump the gas pedal. And uh, that was not a play on words. Uh, the Trump administration said on Monday that they're going to drop those it. rules, first proposed in 2012, that required automakers to install that system. But this was really under the radar. I mean, we talk a lot on the show about how they've added safety features onto the cars, and they're mandatory. I don't even know why this one came up as a takeaway. I mean, was there some manufacturer going... This is far too complicated. We can't do this technology. It's a software update on our cars, so I just don't understand why. Because they they're this. all drive by wire, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, or? pretty. That's that's yeah. On our cars, once that brake pedal is held down at full force, the accelerator dies. 
Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you, you, on those Toyotas, you hit that brake hard enough at the right moment, it'll do it for you. Yeah. It scares the... Yeah, shut you down. Yeah. I could see that. I, I could see it'd be fairly easy to do. It'd just be a like a hier- uh, hierarchy or priority kind of thing. I just like to know where like, some guy like slither into an office somewhere and go, hey, this is a big problem for us. Right. You know, and all right, I'll take care of that. And then it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Long live what? break stands. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, talk about a the government mus- line lock. The, the muscle car contingent came yes. in. Yeah, <laughs> just to just lock the fronts, but leave the backs free. That'd be great. Oh man, doing a burnout in a Taurus. Actually, right. it'd be the other way around, front wheel drive. Yeah, but still, yeah. That uh, is that really a big safety concern? Because I, I thought when all the dust settled, all the everything cleared, that that whole thing with the unintended acceleration was really just. First Somebody's off, food. first off, no human being ever made a mistake. It was all the car's faults, Daryl. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they want you to believe. Of course. <laughs> but when they're pulling all that data and they're saying, oh, yeah, your throttle was at 86% and yeah, somebody's yeah. shoe was tapping the floor. You mean when NASA took all the uh, computers from those cars that drove out of control mm-hmm. and they found nothing wrong with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you're right, Daryl. Then they shut down the space, sh- space shuttles. <laughs> shut it all down. Now, now we got Russians flying... <laughs> Astronauts into space. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> Chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. This is not a moment of Musk, but uh, just so you know, and all you Tesla owners rejoice, on May 21st, Tesla released a do-it-yourself maintenance procedure instruction to help owners with their uh, to maintain their own cars. This was something that when Rich Rebuilds was out there uh, talking about you know, how hard it is to get parts for your cars or to do things yourself, you know, Tesla made it nearly impossible. So if you want to work on your own car, Tesla's giving you... Great instructions for things like pairing your Bluetooth phone, checking the tire pressure, topping off windshield wiper fluid, replacing wiper blades. Uh, how about calibrating the windows, removing or installing lug nut covers? So Lug nut covers. Yeah. So if you're a real do-it-yourselfer and you're a Tesla owner, rejoice. You can go out and out into the garage, watch a little YouTube video, and you could pop off the lug nut covers like a champ. Jake, you're pretty handy. Would you <laughs> Would you watch these uh, YouTube clips? I, I better get on it. Sounds like it's a money-making opportunity. <laughs> I think so. You might have a whole training session you could sell on, uh, I don't know, a home shopping network or puts something. A, puts a new definition on the the. the uh, shade tree mechanic. Right? Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you want to install new nut? I can't even talk. <laughs> nut nut, I almost call them nut lugs. <laughs> Do you want to install new lug nut covers? Sure, we all do. Yeah. Little Sally Struthers send up. The one that the clip you have it highlighted here. The one thing I I could benefit from myself is programming the stupid home link, the garage door opener. There's a website. Do you know that there's a website? No. Can I do a service to all the listeners of the show? Please do. Homelink.com. Uh-huh. You put in what car you drive, what model, and then you tell it what kind of garage door opener you have. And it'll print off directions specifically for your vehicle in your house. Yeah, it still don't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. That that it stupid, stupid it thing has been nuts. actually my 2014 Prius doesn't work. I, <laughs> for real? No, no, it doesn't work. See, with, it doesn't work you with can a see your bold face lie. <laughs> Here's a, it's real simple, people. It is. It's a, I have a Chamberlain door, and apparently, if you have a rolling code, you can't. That's, uh, that's my problem. That's, I've code. got two Chamberlains at home too. Yeah. Who's <laughs> son of a biscuit eating bulldog? <laughs> Well, Apparently, Chamberlain needs to get involved with Homelink. I don't know. Or, or we need to get Chamberlain in our cars. I think why why to... doesn't Homelink just make their own? Why doesn't Elon Musk make a new Homelink? Anyways. Well, they can make a YouTube video on how to do it. 
three buttons. It's been three buttons for 20 years. That stupid thing doesn't work. And they work half the time, yeah. I've, I've had my last house. It was beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's a thing of beauty when your home link works. Oh, it is. Yeah. Because you feel like like you're super rich. Like yeah. you know, in the, like in the Michael Keaton Batman, where he's like taking uh, Vicky Vale into yeah. the the Bat Cave, yeah. and he just like drives right through, and the gates open, yeah. and everything. That's what it feels like when you have a home link that works. I've experienced that once at my <laughs> parents' house. Nowhere else on planet Earth. What's their garage door opener? It's a Sears, believe it or not. From like, I had Craftsman <laughs> at my old house. Yeah, stupid, same thing. Like 1991. And I will say this: there's nothing worse. Not to get out the home link tangent, but there's nothing worse to have a home link. Fixed in your, you know, what do you call it? The head, uh, in your headrest, headliner, or whatever, or the car, and then on the visor have the actual garage door. Well, that's what, go out to my cars right now. Got God. it. Got it. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to take some breaths here. We're good. All right. So now we're going to break down to the local news segment of the show. We have a couple articles there. Yeah. Wait, what is this? This stuff here. Well, this this malarkey here, Eric, it is, is malarkey. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's a quantification of how much potholes have cost the Illinois driver. Nerds. Yes, yes. So everyone complains, especially now with the rain. It's just been raining for cats and dogs for weeks and weeks on end. So all that little cold patch they put in the spring has really just heaved. Um, there's been some There's been <laughs> some the carnage. Side of my car. Imagine next winter how it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It'll be a treat. <laughs> well, what they're saying, uh, according, and I say they, it's a group called TRIP, which is one of those kind of... Um, I guess, D.C.-based think tanks, quote-unquote. Haven't really done much research. Feel free to Brenda Starr reporter that up. But uh, $18.3 billion is what they say, according to a new report, is what Illinois consumers as as a whole have uh, shelled out in terms of lost work, damage to vehicles, damage to property, uh, not to mention the actual cost of repairing and kind of the the ongoing maintenance of said potholes. So um, what that report has done is basically put together and compiled for lawmakers to kind of bang the drum that, hey, we need to bump up the gasoline tax from 19 to 44 cents a gallon to help pay for some repairs. And something else we need to do, according to lawmakers, is bump up Illinois' vehicle registration fees. Oh, boy. Can't yeah. wait for this. $98 to, they're saying, suggesting $148 in order to collect money for a, a huge uh, infrastructure overhaul plan. Now, that uh, may or may not be the, the answer, may or may not be the best approach, um, but when you kind of put it into perspective, it's it's easy to throw out a number and say, oh, 18 billion, that's a lot of money. Yeah, the potholes suck. What does that really mean? If you if you boil it down, it means that the average consumer in Illinois, in the Springfield area, they said pays about $1,200 a year in maintenance, whether it's blew a tire, bent a rim, shock absorber, something, you know, fell off your car because you just beefed something. I had a coworker who just did that on 116, right when you get on to uh, uh, 74, the on-ramp there from coming from Metamora, and hit a rim, steel steel rim, or I'm sorry, hit a pothole with a steel rim, hubcap went flying off, and the rim, I mean, it's a pretty substantial, I mean, rim's gone. So, and that was $165 plus the tire plus everything else that she wasn't planning on. Now, uh, in Chicago, they say the cost is a little higher, which probably means the roads up there are even worse. Maybe it's, you know, lake effects. No, who knows? They said it was about 2500 for folks up there due to the bad uh, the bad 
roads. The bad, the bad roads. So I don't know. I mean, hmm. are higher taxes, higher uh, motor well, fuel taxes, is that, that going to be the magic bullet? Oh, well, that solves everything there. Does it? Yeah, because they'll just take that money and they'll spend it exactly on what they say they're going to collect it for. <laughs> That's what they always do, right? You're so <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go down that I, rabbit I, hole. I, I, no? I know where Jake's going to go on this. Um, you know, the biggest scare tactic on all this stuff for me is I got six cars. Mm-hmm. And they're all registered. Mm-hmm. Anytime they start talking about raising these registration fees, I like freak out. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out ways not to register those cars, or I'm gonna get antique vehicle plates. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. Right. Get a timeshare uh, in some other state and register yeah. it there. Yeah. So there are ways to do that in there to yeah. uh, register your car out of state. You can. Uh, I know there was a guy when Bad I lived in the Chicago area. They had emissions testing, and he had all hot rod stuff. And he's like, "Screw that! I'm not doing that." So he. <laughs> He registered all his cars to his in-laws' farm in Wisconsin. Yeah, but that's then you're driving around, and the police in your town usually know you. Yeah, and you're driving around cars with Wisconsin plates. Eventually, they're going to find a reason yeah. to pull you over and go, "What's up with one this? of my employees had Minnesota plates on his car for ten years? They never questioned. Nobody it. questioned that. Nobody ever questioned it. Yeah. yeah, not this day and age. I think I think ten years ago or twenty years ago, somebody questioned. The police officers change in your hometown now so often. That's true. Two, I mean, two years with a police officer in in this in Mackinac or Tremont yeah. is probably an extended duration. Okay. Yeah, and and so many people rent cars now. They all have different plates on them. And, and you, you you got an I got an Uber not too long ago. New York plate guy was just in Chicago. Huh. And so yeah, it's all all over. I noticed a lot of Texas plates here for some reason. That's kind of weird. It's a, and apparently every U-Haul is from Arizona. It was that, too. So. <laughs> is that because of the big sticker on the side, or is that really have Arizona plates? No, I think they're like corporate headquarters there, and, oh. and I think they register all their trucks there because it's cheaper, probably. To get mm-hmm. a, probably I'm get sure it is. I'm sure it is. So, Yeah, we'll see. I, I think the argument has always been, you know, they haven't had, was it the federal motor fuel tax hasn't been raised since 94? And they keep coming back with it. The, the funding formula for that's in, inadequate because of cars getting better mileage and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, you slice it. And electric cars, they're stealing that gas tax uh, from us yeah anyway you slice it government's looking for a bigger bigger bite yeah exactly so that's a whole other thing trip i love that let's let's name this organization i've got an idea <laughs> anyway uh so getting back into more illinois local news here yeah brett chase at the better government association put this article in the journal star this week and it's about uh if illinois cars and trucks uh they top coal is the largest global global warming contributor in illinois if Illinois has seriously cracked down on greenhouse gas emissions, I can't speak to that, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, it has to start with the tailpipes of cars and trucks and the same-day delivery desires of home shoppers, even as policymakers set sights on retiring the already dwindling number of coal-burning power plants. So they're saying that services like Uber and Lyft uh, and Amazon deliveries and ride-hailing alternatives are causing more of a problem with uh, greenhouse gases in our state than the coal plants. And I just, I'm looking at the Journal Star. This is from May 26th. Who is a better government association? What? Where is my local PJ Star writer? I mean, what? What they, is this? They've is this all been laid off, Eric. Is this the schlock we're getting? I mean, this isn't even like an independent, arbitrary article here. I really think the better government association probably has ulterior motives. And this is in the newspaper. Yeah. People are reading this stuff and going, Oh, the car's really bad. This is what this article says. It right. is a newspaper. They must yeah. be telling the truth, right? Did you see, by the way, <laughs> just not to get off on a tangent, but uh, yeah, an, another round of layoffs by Gatehouse Media yeah. here in Peoria, Rockford, Galesburg, 
Springfield. And in the week or two afterwards, there was a big article, a classified ad that said, like, paying stringers $15 an article, basically, to write for the Journal Star. So this is what you're getting, folks. 15 bucks got me that. Well, I'm sure they would give it to the Journal Star to publish for free. Well, no, because this guy could probably – he could put this in, like, five different papers – Right. Know, and they syndicate it all over the place. And that's probably exactly what happened. He made a cool hundred bucks. Yeah. So he could go <laughs> get Uber Eats yeah. delivered <laughs> deliver a steak dinner to his stupid penthouse suite. Let me yeah. say this. Is there any truth to that, do you think, as far as like the I want uh, I want wings from Wingstop, so go get it. What difference does it make how it Actually, gets there? Actually, it's probably better because you got this guy at Uber Eats picking up the Uber, he's picking up the uh, Red Robin, then he goes over Chipotle, mm-hmm. yeah. and he goes over to another third restaurant, picks up stuff, and then he delivers them to multiple houses, as opposed to me getting in my car and that other person in their car. So now we have one car on the road, as opposed to you know half dozen. I, 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 am I smelling a letter to the editor? No, I think no. just debunk. Do this I get whole paid fifteen dollars for it? Because otherwise, I'm not right. <laughs> Maybe. And the thing that really struck me was that they talked about how. That coal was the leading source of carbon emissions every year but one since 1980. Like, aren't cars way more efficient than they were in 1980? Yeah, but they're also in terms of emissions. Higher population, so we. Well, this state's actually lost population, so. This state has. And a a lot of them. Well, I mean, we can get on that rabbit hole. Well, I don't think a lot of teens are driving as much as they used to. There might be more people, but there's not more drivers. No, and I think you're right about the cars. After they did cash for clunkers and they destroyed all the good old cars yeah. uh, that were daily drivers, I mean, really, how bad can an old Honda Accord be on the tailpipe? And if you look at, especially when you're talking about urban areas, because I think that's the, that's the big concern. It always has been whenever there's asthma rates and things like that. It's, it's the dense population centers where people, you know, old buses or cars, this and that. Well, we've now, we've, we've, de-incentivized anybody to go into cities like Chicago because it costs $3,000 to park for 10 minutes. It sucks. It's like the people that live there ride their bike or walk to work, Mm -hmm. and companies have adjusted their mindset, their models, as far as where they set up their headquarters. Look at McDonald's. Look at some of the companies, uh, Sears, that have kind of relocated to downtown areas. It's Mm -hmm. because they don't want their people driving 45 an hour and a half, you know, to work. So you take that out of the equation. You look at the old city photos from, like, New York and stuff in the 80s, 70s, 80s. It's just, like, everything's filthy, everything sucks. You look now, and people are, like, walking, riding bikes. And running. Running. Mm-hmm. How many people are running on Lakeshore Drive right now, this very minute, listening to this podcast? Yeah. I mean, there's, like, one million people just running next to the interstate there, which, if it were as nasty as they say, you couldn't even breathe down there. Right. If this were the 70s and you were trying to run down Lakeshore Drive, yeah. you'd be you'd be coughing up a lung. <laughs> Imagine like yeah, Uber and Lyft in the seventies. Yeah. Oh, that's that, this. I have a hard time believing this. I think this is kind this, of kind of nonsense. All right, mm-hmm. so this is schlock journalism at the PJ Star. All right, unless it's Phil Luciano, I don't listen to it. That's how I operate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about you crazy car and, and truck nuts here. What you guys did recently. Truck nuts. You see that truck nut? Truck, lug nuts. I do not have those on me. I had no. truck nuts one time. Uh, somebody, somebody fastened <laughs> of course them on my, you did. Somebody fastened them onto my Prius at work. Are like, you serious? <laughs> they didn't make it home. I, I heard something because the Prius dragging. died trying yeah. to drag it. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right. Isn't there a four-wheel drive Prius that just All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive. All-wheel drive. It's a unique system, too. There's no drive, drive shaft between the front and rear. We'll talk about that sometime. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Jake and I, the reason Jake's here, we talked about this one, is at the Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. It's a Toyota Land Cruiser event. It was held down at Windrock Park down Tennessee two weekends ago. And so Jake, 
and I were talking. We went together and we went with a couple other people. He said, hey, I listen to every episode. And I'm like, well, you know what? We're going to talk about this event. So why don't you come to this next episode recording and we'll talk about Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. Look what you did. You, you just got roped into a podcast. You, done, you too could be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what a trail ride. Um, yeah, so this isn't our first foray. Jake and I have done probably three or four now of these uh, at yeah, least. We've been doing this. You know, the other day I was on my Facebook, memories came up like five, six years S'more, now. Yeah. S'more was popping up this last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was last year. Um, we've been at it probably five, five years, five. Yeah. What, so, do you, what do you think? Five? So, yeah, probably something like that. Um, so Toyota Land Cruiser events, I've talked about them a little bit in the past, but the Toyota Land Cruiser Association is a national group. And there's several chapters locally, and they're scattered all about the United States. And a lot of these organizations will have what they have a roundup or a get together once a year. It's their big fundraiser. It's their chapter fun time, and we've really enjoyed them. We always go to Southern Cruiser Crawl every year in Arkansas. We've done that like for the last five years, mm-hmm. and uh, so we started branching out. And last year, uh, at the raffle for SCC, you won admission to this this park. Yeah, and uh, so we we're like, you know what? Let's let's go to Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride. Never been there before. I've never been to Windrock. You'd been there once before. And uh, so we just made a plan, and then we had six trucks come along, so that was fun. That's cool. Did you guys caravan down together? Or? Yeah. yeah. I, I hate You know, I don't want to. You don't, don't like the caravan? I hate caravan. There's, there's, um, there's positive and, and negative negative to it. I, um, you, you get some people, they, they, they want to stop or mm-hmm. do a lot of things. Well, like if if I'm out and about, like I definitely want to stop. I'm I'm down for stopping and eating and all that. But if I'm going to a destination, yeah, I, I'm like Eric. Like when that fuel tank's low, we can stop and mm-hmm. and, and and refuel and then get back on the road. Yeah, um, yeah it's you, not when, a... you, when you caravan, it, it, it's a little different. It's a little oh, there's different. a Dairy Queen. I think I want a peanut butter parfait. <laughs> like, dude, it's we've gone five miles. What you That's doing? my biggest fear. And and really. The reason you caravans is for support of everybody else. What you don't Absolutely. want is a guy breaking down, being you know somewhere in the middle of nowhere. So, right. but our vehicles aren't that bad. I mean, there's not. I mean, tree huggers certainly seen some abuse, but uh, but there's nothing about that truck I have, have lost faith in. So uh, there are some other guys in the group that have trucks that are 15 years old, uh, mid 2000s trucks, and okay, so I could see where they might want somebody going with, and especially if you're newer to the. Yeah. doing this too so i can understand that so so we all ran down together mm-hmm. uh i hate to get sidetracked on that but yeah no. don't, don't even get me started on the caravanning thing because on the way home i brought one guy with me and we stopped once for gas that was it <laughs> just keep the pedal going no, I don't, yeah, I don't but, you know you. sometimes the the caravanning creates stories you know i think every time we've had oh, a trip yeah. Yeah. a story comes from the caravan is it usually on the way home after you always on the way put home. something through its paces <laughs> and then oh it turns always. out this this did yeah. break on the trail and i found out 20 miles from nowhere. Yeah. Now, to, it wasn't that I wanted to jump out on everybody. I had to uh, leave early. I had, uh, my daughter was graduating last weekend, so I wasn't that guy just, like, ditching everybody. <laughs> anyway. Deuces. Yeah. So we got down to uh, Great Smoky Mountain Trail Ride, Windrock Park. Uh, what is that name of that town in Tennessee? Uh, Oliver Springs. Oliver Springs, Tennessee. Yep. Um, What's the closest big city? That Chattanooga, Oak Ridge, and then oh, we yeah. get to Knoxville. Okay. Knoxville. Well, Knoxville's, Knoxville's yeah. probably 30 minutes away. All right. Yeah. So not. No, you can see too, it on the horizon. Too far. Yeah. Total, how many miles from from? Five hundred fifty. Okay, that's not bad. Almost yeah. exact. Yeah. From forts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the park is gigantic. It's 73,000 acres. We, um, I, like I said, I'd never been there before. So really we just kind of headed on the trails the first day, checking things out, getting the lay of the land, got these maps from them that were as big as a Rand McNally map you'd have in the United States. It was gigantic. <laughs> so you don't really have an idea what you're looking at until you, and, and the other thing about this park, the terrain is so varied. Uh, you go, you go to one side of the park, it's all dirt and gravel. You go to the other side, it's all rocks and cliffs. Uh, the, thing is kind of sprawling all over the place so huh. you uh, say seventy three thousand acres, yeah. yeah and it's a private private park yeah private yeah wow it, it's one of the biggest in the country i think it is the biggest private park in the country yeah you, you'd have to go to you'd have to go to national park land to find a better place yeah um but that also lends itself to people trashing and being moronic out there when it's a private park like that you know if you went to national park ground you wouldn't see beer cans laying all over that's kind of crap that irritates me about off-road yeah. parks uh, you know, the bathrooms at this one were very nice, but traditionally when I go to off-road parks, I expect to get the worst bathrooms possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're rough The bathrooms it. were definitely not a complaint yeah. for that off-road park. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, the, the trails are so long and it takes so much time to get through them. Um, we didn't plan well. Every day, we, we, when you go to a normal park, like we go to SCC, we go off in the morning, hit some trails. All right, everybody hungry? Everybody wants something to drink? Let's go back to the pavilion. We'll take a little break. Take a nap. Do whatever you want to do. We'll go back out a little bit later. This park, if you decided to just do a couple trails and come back to your to your camping yeah. spot, well, hell, your day would be over. It would be 5 o'clock before we got back there. So <laughs> we ended up eating on the trail, you know, two days. And uh, that was fine. I, just, I wasn't prepared like that. I mean, that was really like... It's like overlanding almost when you're there. Yeah, it, it's as closest thing you can get out west, but you know you're you're in the Appalachian Mountains. But yeah, I had been there before, and um, I went with two other guys, and I always remember the the size of it. Right, um, we would go out, and we actually, you know, as I'm going in this trip, I realize just how much we actually explored outside of the park, like around Oliver Springs and Oak Ridge, and all these other areas, I was like, wow, I think I maybe only did three or four trails when I was here. It was three years before. But you don't quite realize what 73,000 acres yeah. is. Because, you know, in Illinois, you know, that field is 368. That's a big field. You know, <laughs> 73,000. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, gigantic. It's massive. Uh, like it would take us to get into one entrance on the trail, like 25 minutes of driving on paved road around the park to, yeah. to get on. And, you know, like Eric was saying, like, if I go again, um, you definitely want to bring trail gear, like chairs. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put stuff on my roof rack like I did when we were out in West. Right. I'm just going to be prepared to, to set up all day out there if I need to have my uh, my little shelter out and a lawn chair and a table. And, sure. You know, you know, I'm load not, it up. Yeah. Make a day of it. Yeah. Do you have a trailer too, like a little utility trailer you bring? Or no, no, we don't do that. That's that's a whole different level. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Jake hasn't gotten to that level yet. But you uh, close? No, I've, I think I've seen a lot of people um, struggle, and it's like you know, when, when I go to these things, I, I just I just I want to be able to be able to go. I, I'm like Eric yeah. in that aspect. I'd rather pack cram everything into that forum, <laughs> right? <laughs> And then you just shut the door and, and, and you're, you're yeah, gone. right, right. Yeah, trailers one less or one more tire they can blow. One and, more and thing they can. If it's me, um, I'm have Murphy's Law. If it's if it's gonna go wrong, it will, and it will be on me. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, you're the guy. I'm the guy. 
Yeah, well, that's cool, though. So what kind of terrain in general? I mean, we say Smoky Mountains. And I had driven through there just, uh, you know, like through Chattanooga and stuff like that on the way to Florida. But um, I never really spent a lot of time. I mean, we're talking like lots of wooded, lots of forest. Lots yeah, of... you know, so I was telling the guys when we were going out there, they're mountains, you know. It might not be 12,000 feet, but it's 4,000 feet. You're on the side of a mountain. But the biggest difference between those and the Rockies, in the Rockies, you see out there's no trees. Mm-hmm. It's all open. Here, you'll be riding along, and you're in the woods, and then you look to your right, and oh, you're on. T- you see everything in the, in the Smoky Mountains. We went to a great outlook. We spent. We were there for oh, the one up by the windmills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great spot, and we went up later that night because we did some night wheeling, and that was another great. You go up to the three thousand five hundred mm-hmm. feet, and you're looking out. It was. It was really telling because during the day, it just looks like dense, wooded forest out there. Mm-hmm. You can't see anything. You can maybe see a little off-road trail that leads down to the pavilion, you know, where everything starts. But you get back up there at night, and all of a sudden, you see ribbons of light where the roads are at. You see a little town in the distance. You're like, I didn't see any of that in the yeah. daytime. Just no, completely different scenery. Huh. And what kind of rigs? I mean, you guys both you have the forerunner contingency here, but but uh, the the guys you went out with... Uh, they, they've they've got four runners. Club, apparently. Um, <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, Trey, he's he's a friend of ours. He has a, a very nice um, blue uh, Tacoma. Uh, did did really well. But he was he was the odd he was the odd man on yeah. on this trip. Yeah, and he's uh, he's the youngest guy in the group. He he bought that truck just to kind of hop it up and have a little bit of fun. And sure, I I do think maybe the forerunner lends itself to the older crowd. We got kids, you know, yeah, car seats and stuff like that. I don't have car seats anymore, thank God. But I, I, I have. A- takes raising his hand yeah Yeah. that's me but uh no i think the forerunner and we were talking about the utility factors of the forerunner it's it's a station wagon there's no doubt about it but uh you know i keep all my stuff dry i can reach back there and you know move stuff around if stuff's in the bed of my truck hopping all around yeah i can certainly get to a beer real quick when i'm outside the truck and we'll (laughs) lean over and you know pop the cooler yeah it's a lot easier uh, to grab my stuff in the cab one of the guys we were wheeling with he's used to wheeling a a pickup tacoma and he got himself a forerunner and he made that comment several times he's i just love having it all my stuff in the cab (laughs) not in the bed no more bed packing yeah 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 um so the other thing going back to the tlca thing um so jason from toyota trucks and trails he was there. He's it's a podcast, podcast guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and him and I had been talking. He he emailed. He actually listens to our show too. So shout out to you, right uh, Toyota Trucks and Trails. But um, he's like, hey, when you get down here, let's meet up. We'll talk and blah blah. So I met up with him at the pavilion the second night we were there, and talked to him. And I didn't even realize until I sat down with him. We're talking. He's actually the vice president of the Southeast TLCA. So I'm like, that's cool. So we started talking about the event. You know, the event's grown huge. They they got 80 more trucks this year than they did the previous year. This is their 20 80 more, 80 more trucks registered this year. Wow. Yeah. You, you could tell that the event was, was it, was, it was one of those events that was used to having a much smaller crowd, but very well run. And mm-hmm. I'll talk more about like the raffle and stuff. Oh yeah. I can get to that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, I sat down with Jason, then Jamie, who's the secretary of the organization. He sat down with me and we were talking and, um, so nice. I mean, just super chill. Yeah, I was telling Jake as I sat down and we we're eating dinner. I'm looking at the T-shirts. I'm looking at all the the different monikers and stuff that everybody's got on their shirts and stuff. I'm like, I don't recognize any of this. I've never seen these logos, but everybody's talking the same language here. It's almost yeah. like we went to a foreign country 
Because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't see a single face. Actually, there were two guys from SCC who were there that I recognized and talked to for a few minutes. But there was not a single face at this thing that I recognized or knew. And realistically, when you go into a room you know, with 100 people and you don't know anybody, yeah, uh, you'd think, no, oh, this is a little daunting. But it was totally cool. Everybody was laid back. That's start, nice. They're like, oh, yeah, I like your truck, I like this. It, it, it is one of those events because, you know, Eric mentioned we go to SEC every year. We're starting to there's people are starting to recognize. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and you go here and you didn't recognize anyone. But night of the raffle, like we sat down with this group and um, yeah, you just you just belong. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to describe. You just belong. Yeah, everybody's it got the, matter. kind of their the common and theme. Hell, no one even introduces themselves. They just talk about their rig, and that's how you know no, the guy. Are you? Which, oh yeah, you're the great forerunner. Yeah, I'm no, the white yeah, one yeah, over yeah, there I'm, with the snorkel. And that's yeah. it. Like, no yeah. one exchanges yeah. names. It's great. That's perfect. And so, were there any old? I mean, you see Land Cruiser Association that kind of puts this on or whatever. Any old Land Cruisers and and kind of what was the gamut as far as like the age range of stuff? So that's a good question because I was only there th- uh, Thursday and Friday. Left Saturday morning, but I, I, when we go to SCC, I see a lot of old forties and buggies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this crew was not like that. I saw eighties, mm-hmm. hundred series. We saw a lot of Tacomas and some GXs, but most everything was modern. Okay, there were a few older trucks, but not many. Did it change any on Saturday when you, you were there? N- no, there there were some. I mean, there was always some, right? Yeah. But I think we go uh, the further south we go, that and, and then this one we went further southeast. Um, Every region has like its go-to rig, and and at SCC it's the buggied out FJ40s yeah. yeah. and stuff. Okay, um, this one was some 80 series, and when you see an 80 series at like SCC, it's it's a built mid, to the hill. It's it's a gotcha. it's with a, a rounded body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The 90s, real tall, you, you, real, yeah. real tall. Um, kind of one of their, I would say, last like. It was when they when they went from the boxy sixty series to mm-hmm. a more rounded eighty, and now they're the real they're, they're really rounded right one hundred and two hundred. But you go to SCC and you get those eighty series, and they're pretty beat up. And you go here, there there were some really nice ones. Um, a, but, lot of uh, bron- a lot of bronze wheels. I was you know, shocked what, by the amount of bronze. Really, <laughs> we, the one thing that that really stood out to me at this event was the amount of Lexus. Yeah, um, vehicles. Uh, well, the eighty the, series was 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 a Lexus. That was the first one that that Lexus started putting their that, badge that on. That was yeah. the first time that Lexus the, stole the, the Toyota. They absconded yeah. the Toyota and called it their own. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but there, but there were a lot of. Um, I think they called the Lexus uh, the LX four seventies. There were a lot of, them, and they were really nice. Yeah. Um, really nice rigs. How do those wheel? I mean, it's a little different platform. As far as, the Lexus? Well, not platform, I guess that's the wrong word. But like, as far as like electronics and stuff so like that. So that's always the wonder because uh, the Lexus will have airbag systems. They'll also have like more, uh, what do I say? It's supposed to be less complicated off-road systems. Uh-huh. But technically they're more complicated because you don't know what they're doing. So uh, Anti-skid yeah, and Yeah, and some of that like stuff that. you can't turn off on a Lexus, whereas the Toyota is more manual control, you know. You don't see shift levers in a Lexus. You see buttons. You know? yeah. yeah, I can imagine. I, I, I can also see some hardcore dudes just, like, swapping that stuff out, too, for, like, the more simpler kind of, you know, I don't know. I think it's difficult for them to swap out the electronic part. It's easy with the suspension part, but I think, like, the, yeah, the anti-skid stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know how it works. I, I will, uh, you know, Toyota, it's... Yeah. It, it does appear to be a little bit different crowd. Yeah. So at the raffle night, you, you could see who... They weren't segregated. Everyone was, sure. was meshing, but you could see that they had been there all week and yeah. they were going to be at the raffle the, together. Gotcha. So when we sat down at our, our campsite, um, there was a 
crew behind us that started showing up, and they had very nice trucks and nice campers and trailers and tents and uh, the bronze wheels. And they were a crowd from Atlanta. It was like an off-road club from Atlanta. Okay. And, I mean, my truck had to look like an aberration to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's dirty. It's dented. It's got, you know, wheels that are just, like, scratched to living hell. Yeah. Uh, Curious. You know, and, uh, yeah, there's just – there's a – to each their own. I mean, one guy, I don't think I ever saw him leave his campsite. He just sat there and listened to the Doobie Brothers for two straight days. And you know what? Maybe for him to haul his trailer up there and set up camp, and, and he was cooking like a fiend over there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm like, maybe that was his version of, of, of vacation. And God yeah. bless him. More power to him. Whereas another guy, like he went to SCC, they wouldn't have a vehicle flip. You know, yeah. their whole point of a vacation is to <laughs> they flip their go some to destroy, <laughs> and that's their mission. Roger. Roger wants to destroy. They're the rip, best rip to ride up. with. Yeah, <laughs> they are. When it's their stuff. Yeah, when it's not my stuff. stuff. <laughs> Wearing a helmet. So normally, uh, we'll get we'll go right to the raffle here. We'll wrap yeah. this up. Um, normally, Jake throws in hundred bucks, and he walks out with like two million dollars worth of stuff. This year, <laughs> you got juked. I mean, what happened? Yeah. So so Scott and I are going up, and. Scott says, "Well, do you do you want to go ahead of me?" And I said, "No, I'll get the good tickets." <laughs> it's your and famous so last Scott, words. Scott Scott threw some tickets and 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 they're taking camera apart. So I put one, put a hundred dollars in. So that was probably my first mistake. I usually dump quite a bit of money, but I, I always c- come out of these raffles really good. Do okay. There's twenty five thousand uh, dollars worth of hardware sitting there at this raffle. Wow. Yeah, let, let's we'll get into the raffle here. There's some story there, but um. Yeah, we're sitting there, and Scott's winning just four or five tickets right under mine. Like, right where under where mine's stuck. And he's winning good stuff. Upper control arms. Upper control arms. CO2, really power tank power system. Tank, really high-quality stuff. And, you know, honestly, no one more deserving. This guy, he comes out on the trails with us. He's always helping. He's always getting into it. He's, he's a rock mover. He's a he, guy, he's when you're stuck... Seriously, he, he will put a rock under your wheel. He'll stack 20 rocks up there to yeah. help you and out. Yeah. It was awesome um, yeah. seeing him win this stuff. He got a really cool bug out bag. It's probably my favorite prize. It was from Metal Tech. It had like jelly beans in it. So we're eating jelly beans <laughs> after. Forget the upper control lines. So, Are those so, jelly bellies over there? They, they, you know, this is the next to SCC is probably the best raffle with the best stuff. Nice. There's one big difference. And, and I hope someone from the Smoky Mountain Trail Ride listens to this. They the, the people who are in the crowd do not know how a raffle works. Oh, no. Um, they'll read out a number, and no one says anything. And they just stand up, and they go walk up. And they didn't even announce that they win. You, you go to SCC, and it, everybody knows everyone in the room. Everyone knows exactly what card. <laughs> me, you know. And, <laughs> and they're excited over the small stuff. Yeah. Um, people... They had a, a uh, raffle ticket for any BFG Goodrich tire up to 37 inches, an entire set. No, oh any of them. Gosh. Any of them that you wanted up to 37 inches. Oh, wow. The guy that won goes, well, this is my fifth year in a row winning, and had someone else go get the certificate. Wow. I'll take some 35s just for the hell of it, oh, for my yeah. Tundra. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was like, I would have bought some KM3 37s and then listed them. <laughs> like, so I'm not that's not charitable, thing. Jake. Um, Thanks a lot. They they had some. They had a really good cause. It was a really good charity that they that they gave to Fisher House. Um, I think. Is, or, yeah, yeah. The people that were putting it on, they did an amazing job. I'm, when I, when I say they don't have to put on a raffle, it's not the people that were organizing it. It was the crowd. Like, yeah. 
this is some really good stuff. Of course, like Cindy and Scott, when they would win, (laughs) we we know how it's done. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you just couldn't get nothing. Um, There was a Jeep guy there that that won the longest traveled, and he he said some choice words to everybody and really made the announcer mad. There was a little bit of drama that that, that happened. Wow, I hadn't heard that. All right, all right. Tossing out some Jeep stuff? Yeah. Yeah, they, they said, you know, who drove the furthest? He stood up. He goes, oh, where do you drive? And he's, I'm very proud to drive this JK. And the announcer goes, oh. And then the crowd started kind of booing. And he gave everyone the bird and said some <laughs> choice words. And then the announcer, I mean, he was very angry. He, was it know, Jamie? It was a family, a family event. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, they ended up giving him the award, but you could tell that not it, cool. was, it, was, yeah. it was not cool at all. Uh, yeah, well, those events are open to anybody. So if you yep. came with the Nissan Xterra, if you yep. came with a Jeep Wrangler, they're still allowing you to register for it and stuff like that. It's cool. But, I mean, there is a brotherhood. If you're driving a Toyota, obviously right. people are going to stand around the pavilion. They're going to talk about your Toyota. And, yeah. and you know, the mods I, I, you have are going to make more sense to them than the Jeep guy. The biggest so. ironic with that guy. or ironic I like yeah, that word. Well, yeah, yeah. George yeah, Bush is using we, that. We can't talk tonight, right? Um, was that he actually started out wheeling with us. Oh, did he? So we went, we took to the, the connector road um, down to the general store um, on Saturday, and this was the first day of the of the whole week we had been there that we got stopped at the at the gate by security. Checked your wristband? And uh, they checked wristband and permits, and uh-huh. they said, let's look in the cooler. And it was like, you know, what do you want to look in the cooler for? For beer. Oh, there's plenty of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we weren't allowed in the in the park, and we, we condensed all the beer into one cooler, and the guys at the general store, they were awesome, because they, they said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll watch it for you, and we told them to have a couple beers or whatever. But they did, and we got to go wheel the rest of the day, but um, this guy, he was following us, and then he goes, oh, I'll, do you mind if I go with you guys? We're like, of course, like, we're going to take anyone, and he's following us, and, and it never goes without fail when people follow us. They typically don't view our, our rigs as these monstrosities. They're not going to do nothing too crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't make it very, not very so far much. before he realized, like, I'm going to go with these other guys. Yeah. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, we, we were, you know, <laughs> we were going through some, through some, yeah, maybe too aggressive. But <laughs> And then we saw him in the crowd, and we were just like, oh, I hope he doesn't see us. <laughs> you know, I'd give him kudos. I'd rather somebody do that and be like, yeah, this is above my skill set here. Then he somebody's like, "Yeah, I can, I can do that." And then he, and then he fails spectacularly. And then you got to help him out, right? Yeah, that's no fun either. Just not that I have any experience of that, but just going through, even like four wheelers going through some parks with people, and you know, yeah, totally, I can do that. And then they wind up like getting yeah. medevaced out on a helicopter. Well, and that's you know, if you go to Rubathon, which is out on the uh, Rubicon Trail in California, they want you to buy trail insurance so that if you have to get medevaced out. You have that covered. They yeah. really do not want you on that trail unless you have that kind of coverage. Oh, that makes makes sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that ain't cheap. Yeah. So uh, getting back to my grocery list from the beginning of the show, <laughs> yeah, we were we were following some green trails, which are the gravel roads, and then they they're connected in, with some blue trails, which are their moderates. Then they have a black diamond and a double black diamond, and uh, we did blue trails all day, just all day. Never had a problem, and actually we we're kind of like. Kind of looking at each other, Jake and I are like, "Yeah, this is okay, but I mean, we got to find some black diamonds because there's just something not happening here." Mm-hmm. So at one point, there's these two trails that merge around an American Knob, uh, which is one of the hills in the middle of the park. Eighty-two and eighty-three merge there, and uh, they're both blue. And I see this little race up to get to the merge point, 
And uh, I'm like, well, I can. It's blue. Blue all day has been. We have been doing it for two days. This was yeah. the second day, yeah. right? Yeah. Two days, never had an issue. And I, this is one of the trails I had been on before. And once they described what it was like on top of the trail, um, I had been there before. We've been just been, all day, didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And so I, it's a steep incline, and I can see a couple boulders at the top, and I can see some ruts where people have carved it out. But I'm like, it's blue. And so I race up to the top. And I get in the groove, and then I cut left because I got to get around this big boulder. And the next thing you know, I'm like, bup, 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 bup. the wheels aren't grabbing. I'm like, all right, and I'm starting to get a little weird, a little sideways. And then everybody at the bottom's like, stop, stop. They're yelling at you. Oh yeah, <laughs> stop it. I'm like, well, I'm not leaning. And if I'm leaning anything, I'm leaning towards the inside wall of the of the obstacle. I'm not leaning towards an outside, but like fall down a hole. Oh, Jake's not. Jake's shaking his head over here. Yeah, no, As, as no. if to differ from your Yeah, yeah I mean, sorted he's, he's right. On the passenger side was the, the side of the trail, not the <laughs> cliff off the side. But he was going sideways <laughs> Just on the trail. So if he would have rolled, it wouldn't have rolled into the side. It would have rolled down the trail. Uh, into me, I mean. Into, into the people yelling, <laughs> stop! <laughs> so, um, we, you know, I tried to go back and forth a couple times. And it got to the point where... I couldn't even go in reverse because normally if you get up in, in your in an obstacle like that and you have that much gravity pulling you down, you can put in reverse, put the lockers on if you have to, and you can drag yourself off of there. I have some pretty good skids uh, from CBI I installed last year, and they, they definitely held up for this trip. Yeah. But where I was stuck was right before the skid. I was actually on my fuel tank, and, uh. the, and, then, it, and then as I was sliding sideways, I was getting onto my muffler on the other side. Fortunately, I missed the drive shaft. I think if I would have sat on that drive shaft, I probably would have, would have been. I would have done. an un- unpleasant drive home. Not <laughs> front wheel drive all the way. Yeah, just shift it there. Yeah. Well, so, and I, where's the fuel tank in in the Forerunner? Is it uh, middle or no, back it's, it's, after uh, the axle? Rear passenger it, side. Before the rear driver's axle. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, and the same thing with the muffler. It's on the passenger yeah, he, side. He was the... he was almost pivoting on it. You know, like you could like mm. if the Forerunner's on a pivot, it would be the gas tank and. Uh, the muffler mm-hmm. and man, it made some weird noises. Well, and the muffler is spring-loaded gaskets between the pipes. So as I got on the muffler, it started making like loud. Oh yeah, everybody's like, "What's going on, man?" Uh, but Oops. we had a, we had a former tech with us who was uh, watching underneath, and we were good there. But I ultimately had to winch myself off this obstacle. I couldn't get off uh, coming back. So I I had no choice but to pull myself forward. Yikes! And uh, and that even strained the the whole truck. I. Jake and I were talking about it. he's got a winch set up on his truck and actually his bumper is tighter to the truck so there's not as much leverage aspect you know, on, on all the uh, supports for the front bumper. Mm. Mine is elongated out a little bit and so what that does is it gives it too much leverage so as I'm trying to pull the truck forward and down a little bit it's like bending my bumper yeah, supports. Yeah, he, he was pulling uh, himself into the ground yeah, yeah, and spinning the tires. I was just waiting for a CV axle to... Something to explode. No, no I didn't. nothing was that aggressive, but uh, but it. W- <laughs> anyway, I didn't feel like agree to disagree. Yeah, if yeah. I had been the driver and it had been my vehicle, it would've everything exploded. would have exploded. You would have you would have not made it home. <laughs> yeah, later on that day, uh, was it that same day that we uh, went up another little hill at thirty three? Yep. And uh, Rocky outcrop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're taking away the show. But no, this no. We got, this one got Jake here. At one point, we're on hill thirty three. And I see this just yellow little rocky path. It's just brown dirt and big yellow sandstone rocks. I'm like, ah, that looks like fun. And I'm trail leading. So I'm like, you know, if Tree Hugger can get up there, unlike the previous spot, uh, <laughs> then everybody else can get up there. 
And I got up. I mean, I had to spin my tires a couple times. Found a loose spot. I didn't carry enough momentum, which is always my weak point when I do something like that. I never gun it too hard. Yeah. And I always end up getting halfway up and having to back down. Uh, but I got up. And a couple other guys got up. And I think you were probably third or fourth up. I think I was the, th- the third one up. And I bumped a rock. And I knew right away. I was like, ah, that didn't have enough momentum. Yeah. And I should have i think i tried to pick a different line than Eric. i think you and scott had went and i know you, i know you want a different line yeah i tried to do a different line because i just wanted to do something different you know <laughs> and I, I hit it and it doesn't go so I'm, like, All right, I'm gonna back up i can hear them yelling at me I'm like nah i'm just gonna try to back up and maybe go back to where they were and as i hit it for the third time i heard a <laughs> and i knew it and i was like i did but i didn't hear it again just a real quick right. blast. So I drove forward, and I was I was past the obstacle. <laughs> drove, <laughs> and I said, "My, you know, yeah. customer tire yeah. got a hole in it." What? No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, his yeah, window's down yeah. as he's rolling past me. He's like, <laughs> I got a leak in my tire. <laughs> I'm like, I got it on video, I think. Uh, so sure enough, yeah, we go around that side, and he's got. A big old hole in the side. Those are uh, Falcon. What what Falcons are those? Yeah, Fal- Falcon Wild Peaks. Um, I I really don't blame the tire. I, I think it's on video. You have it on video of me coming up. You, you see on where you get it. I can see the rock, like <laughs> <laughs> sticking out like a knife blade. It it just sliced it. Yeah. Well, I, and, ironically, when I look back at my truck, my truck actually has a big smiley spot on it too. The same same tire, same area yeah. area. Yeah. So this was an opportunity for us to do a trailer pair. You know, if we're not fixing upper control arms in Moab at four hours in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Always uh, has to do with a rocky hill. You know? <laughs> huh, Jake, a rocky there's hill. a common theme there. Yeah, like he said, he would have blown off a CV boot if he oh, yeah, an But uh so we I think we shoved six patches in there and uh, got to hold. Yeah. And then is that your Milwaukee compressor? No, that, that was uh it was Harper's. I had a Ryobi one once okay. we got back. So this so. is pretty slick. You just set set the pressure you want to stop mm-hmm. at. Yeah, is it like a little gun, like one of those deals? No, no, no. It, it's a it's a little bit heavier duty. I think it can go to like 120 psi. It would take five. It, weeks it would for take it to forever. Yeah, yeah. But um, he had it with him. I didn't have mine with him. And yeah, it, he aired it up and, and it was fine. Um, yeah, you set the pressure; it cuts off when it's yeah, it's full. beautiful. Nice. So we so so then we had a beer. Yeah, just time time enough. So yeah, we were on top of a hill, and and I tried to call a bunch of places to get tires and. And they were all overpriced. Mm, you know, yeah. I knew where I was. It's an off, and, off-road park called you know, for off-road tires. And, oh, we have that in stock. Yeah, we do. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, and <laughs> then they had some cheap ones. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go cheaper. I want to wheel the next day. You know, I got to wheel the next day. So um, you bit the bullet and bit the bullet one. a little bit. But you know, I, I had bought those tires. Um, I don't want to do too many plugs. But no, I, no. I, the discount tire store is great. Yeah. yeah. So I bought those tires from Discount Tire. We apologize. We're experiencing technical difficulties. We apologize. We're experiencing technical difficulties. So this is a weird one. Uh, we have done a lot of stuff over the last year that we've been doing the show since June of last year. This is a first. We lost power at the uh, at the stall at the, ranch at the studios. <laughs> at the stall studios. Um, so uh, Jake was finishing up a story about the uh, the black trail. We'll 
we'll skip that. We'll save that, Lewis, yeah. something else in the future. But uh, I enjoyed it, Jay. Yeah, but <laughs> I was listening. So I, I want to go back to a conversation that Jake and I had had before. Jake listens to every show. So Jake texts me today and goes, "Do I need to pick out a car?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And, and he goes, "What are the rules?" I'm like, "You just got to be able to buy it. It's got to be a car you can buy and have a personal story of why you would like this car." So next thing, I, I don't even know that it was a minute later. He texts me, and goes, "Got it." And I'm like, "What in the hell?" So I don't. Did you already, bookmarked already? Yeah. Did you already have this car in, in stock? No, I, no. I, I have I have followed these these cars. Um, do you want to say what the car is? You know, so uh, keep yeah, the suspense. So, so, for those who don't know, this is our Cars of the Week segment. This is where Daryl and I whip out the Bitcoin, the virtual money, mm-hmm. and we go hog wild on your local Craigslist or Facebook marketplace, and sometimes something a little nicer, and find our dream car. <laughs> so, Jake, uh, you certainly have the most impressive vehicle with some provenance, I believe. Why don't you tell us what you found here? Yeah, a, a 2002 Chevy Camaro ZL1. Yeah. Uh, a real uh, ZL1, and a lot of people didn't know that they made it. Um, this car's always been special to me. Um, growing up, I grew up around La Harp and it's Fred Gibb country and ZL1 and, and everything. Um, I was 17 years old, and I'm cruising the mean streets of La Harp, <laughs> and we see this massive street. car hauler. We're talking semi but it's sealed, but it has these GMMG on it, on the side of it. Going through a town of a thousand people at like 10 o'clock at night. Hmm. Oh, what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we drive, we're all cruising, a bunch of kids. We're all, we're all 17, 16, uh, all car guys. And the lights of a Clover Tire are on, which is the old Fred Gibb um, dealership. And I, I knew the owner at the time really well. My, my dad did a lot of business with him, and he had been out to the house. And I knocked on the window. You know, I'm that kid. I said, "What's going on?" And he goes, "Oh, they're they're bringing in the uh, the, the the ZL ones from GMMG, and and they're doing a Fred Gibb Memorial thing tomorrow. All the first ten buyers are coming to pick up their cars. They'll have them on display." And I just can I come see them? Um, so I got to see the I think the first I think it was ten. Cars get unloaded at the original Fred Gibb dealership at 11 o'clock at night when no media or anybody is there. Um, awesome. this would, per- would there be media for something like there this? Was, there was a lot there of media. There would be. Nodding, yeah, yeah okay. like they, they, and for, for just a recap, I don't want to interrupt here, but Fred Gibb Chevrolet, for those who are in the muscle cars back in the 60s and early 70s, you all know what Fred Gibb is. For those who don't, Anybody knows or hears the name Copo Camaros or Copo Chevelles or Novas, things like that. Uh, Fred Gibb was one of a handful of the dealers across the country where you could basically cherry pick your options, cherry pick, you know, a big motor and a small cheap car, and they would order it for you. And he knew how to kind of pull the strings and obviously had to deal with GM or Chevrolet motor division at least to to get people what they wanted. So if you wanted a big block 427 in your uh, grocery getter, you know, Seriously. station wagon, you could get that. Yeah. So this was a this one I found was a, one of the phase three models. Uh, they they had three phases. This one is a four twenty seven, um, and it was six hundred horsepower. And for those of you who don't know, in two thousand two, that was that was a hefty number. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, it's still a hefty number. Yeah, fact, this man. one this one in particular is a Nikki edition. I don't ever remember reading too much about that one, um, but yeah, it's it's going to go up for auction on on Meacham 
or Meekum, what do you, how do you say that, Dale? I think they say Meekum, but yeah. Meekum Auto Auctions from the Richard Berry Collection. Um, a lot of cars there, but this one, I, I've owned several Camaros. Not a lot of people knew that there was an actual uh, manufactured ZL1 of the 4th Gen, they call them, the, those, those F-bodies. Yeah, the original ZL1 was an all-aluminum 427. Uh, they came in Camaros and I think Corvettes, but they were... I think like, you know, less than 100 made, pretty sought after. And the original ones had trouble with the blocks cracking and stuff like that. So an original one with the original numbers matching block is worth a ton of money. Uh, these, a little more perfected, a little more highly engineered. Was it basically just an aluminum LS motor that they bored and Yeah, I or? think it was, uh, I think at the time, like the, the LS6, I was kind of reading a little bit about... I, I saw most of the Phase 1 and Phase 2, and, and a Kellen Gibbs, uh, the, the wife of Fred Gibbs, her car was there. It was the only automatic of the ZL1, so that one, that one's pretty special. Yeah, we're getting a weather alert, and I, and I hear <laughs> Woo! the roof of the studio's here. Yeah, I did <laughs> Oh, boy. Anyway. Well, that is an awesome car, and I uh, I didn't know there were only 69 of those made. I remember hearing about them when they were new, but I'd never seen one. So for you to actually see one and then kind of pop one of these up here for sale i think is that auction in indianapolis i yeah i think so regional i, I think so there was a lot of cars this one i think was coming up for auction so gotcha i even created an account to make sure it was for sale because eric told me the rules was you had to be able to buy it <laughs> it's not a, a dream car <laughs> yeah yeah you can't just like say oh i'd always want a 69 vet or something like that you know yeah. no it had to be actually a car you can buy um Fair so enough. when did fred gibb die that I, I don't know the exact date, Eric. I'm okay. Sorry. Well, I, I don't have your I don't have internet service. Are you, in, in are the you studio. questioning this car's provenance? I, I, you know, there was a question so, before I it, asked that question. So here, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, it, I'm it does say under the under the ad that that Fred Gibb signed under the hood. Um, I don't think that was possible with this car. Maybe Helen. Um, I think Helen may have signed most of them in the inner, um, like on the dash. No, it, you know on those F bodies where they used to put those, uh, oh, like the strut, the yeah, the strut tower. Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, right there, she would sign them. Um, I, I, I don't know why it would say um, Fred Gibb signed it, but yeah, especially. Well, you remember every Shelby Mustang that has been built ever, or Shelby Charger, Daytona, like the yeah, Dodge. But he, he was like, still alive. He was still alive, but it became a thing. It was like, well, Carol Shelby shall uh, sign a dash, whatever. Like, it says here he died in 1993. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, and this I, is 2002. Yeah. I'm not I, good I, at math, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do. I read that, and I, it, it did stick out to me as well. I said the only Nick edition produced the second generation ZL1 is also signed under the hood by Fred and Helen Gibb, Ken Bernard, and other associated with the ZL1's fascinating history. So maybe it's possible Fred didn't sign. Maybe Helen did. Maybe they got Maybe. a little carried away in their description, but yeah. I think when you're asking for 100 G's, you best it better get that information right. <laughs> it better be right. Yeah. Well, she was his power of attorney, so she. No, I don't. You know, <laughs> that's, that's sick. I'm sorry. Yeah. The only other thing I could think of is this body style Camaro came out. This F body came out in '93, so it's possible that they had plans to build it, and I think the hood's pretty much the same. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you just signed it. It's like it's kind of one of those cowl induction hoods. So yeah. maybe. I don't know. I'm a, I know they they had a refresh in '98, but um, you know I I would think for sure that that Helen Gibbs signed it and and Ken Barnhart um, they were both there at the event. It, it it was 
it is something that a 17 year old at the time, even I knew the, the significance of it in that community. Um, and seeing the window stickers on those things back then, they, they were eighty, ninety thousand dollar cars back then that people were buying. Love there was them. only sixty nine and every one of them went on a trailer. Yep. Uh, this one's got three hundred and ninety five actual miles. So I mean Roanoke, he was he was a, the Viper King. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe He's it was the Midwest yeah, the Midwest. I mean are there little pockets all over the country of dealers who do things like this? Or I mean, how unique is this? Yeah, I, I can't speak for any any dealer in particular nowadays because I think I think it's a whole new era. But uh, I know at least through the early two thousands, this also uh, this two thousand two that was back when John Moss was a big big deal and John Coletti John Moss at Chevrolet, which he's also the guy who designed and put the Tahoe Limited together, which is why I like that the Impala SS, the mm-hmm. SSR, all that fun stuff that back in the day that Chevrolet and GM were doing the GMC Cyclone. I think he might have dabbled in that. Um, John Coletti was the special vehicle team guy at Ford, and if you sold certain amount of cars, volume, this and that, and you met all these other criteria, you could be a Ford SVT dealer. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Dodge probably had their, I don't know if they call it direct connection or if they still mess with that, but there were all these like little ways that you could be a dealer for cool stuff like this. And I think that became such a big headache, not only with trying to keep up with whatever standards you needed to do, but also... The, I would just say this. The clientele that some of these cars bring in, I think you brought super demanding people yeah. and or people that would hot rod stuff and then break it on the track and then bring it in and try to warranty <laughs> it. I think it just became a headache. Um, I had a, a, a 98 Mustang Cobra, and the dealership that um, sold that new, they were no longer, this was 2002, and that was a 98. So four years they were no longer an SVT dealer because they just didn't want to mess with it. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of get that. So... But back in the early 2000s, that was kind of, I think, peak, like, I don't want to say horsepower wars, but there was still some kind of cool stuff going on between Ford and Chevy, at least. And for something like before this... Before they thing, merged. Before they're going to merge, yeah. <laughs> before everything started to get lame. Yeah. But neat car. That's Yeah, it. excellent car. And it was great because Jake's like, I think I found a car. I don't know if Daryl knows anything about these. I'm like, really? <laughs> I really have not found anyone that, that truly knows, like... There's only 69 of them. It was yeah. a fourth gen. Yeah. Um, they're, they're cool. And I know, um, I'm not an expert on these per se, but I know my dad's a big Chevy gearhead and, and, a, and a huge muscle car fan. So uh, that was always the thing. Uh, someday he wanted to get out to that Fred Gibb Memorial show they do, which, do they still do that? No, it's, no? it's it's called like the Harp Car Show last time I knew. Okay. Um, but that, that car show used to be really special because they would close off the streets and let people... Rip them. Rip them out, yeah, you know, out. and it brought large <laughs> crowds, and some guy ruined it for everybody, you know, one of those situations. Luckily, no one was ever... Let's say kill the kid. Um, no, no one was ever uh, gravely injured, but I do, I do <laughs> think that... He, uh, he didn't say injured. Yeah, there were some injuries. <laughs> um, I think it went into a house or something, right. but... There's the El Camino um, incident in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was ever the same. Um, ever the same after that, and... Yeah, eventually cruise nights and those cars and coffee type events kind of overtook a lot of those. Sure. Well, it, regardless, ni- nice little piece of history there. Yeah, cool car. Thanks for bringing that along. Yeah, yeah I wish I you luck on the on the bidding. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're going backwards in the order here, Daryl, I think it's your turn. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the clock back here. I found on bringatrailer.com, which uh, Eric kind of introduced me to. That's like my new hangout now. <laughs> Uh, it's a 53 Ford Ranch Wagon, which 
a ranch wagon was not the country, uh, country squire, so it didn't have the wood on it. It was kind of the cheaper station wagon. And this one happens to be a, a nice blue, kind of plain Jane, two-door wagon. Uh, the only th options it looks like it has on it, it's got some white walls, and uh, it has the, the 239 flathead V8. And if folks are into old Fords, that 53 is the last year you could get the flathead. That thing came out in 1932. They did some updates, but mostly it was the same motor all the way up to 53. And uh, you either love them or you hate them. Uh, I think they're neat. I've never owned one. But uh, it'd be kind of cool to get a, fa a final year flatty. Um, and it's a really neat utility car. Pretty bare bones. It's the type that's just all naga hide. You know, uh, I think there's a rubber floor mat. I don't think there's carpet in it. A nice utilitarian kind of wagon. And that thing. I looked at that over the weekend, holiday weekend. The bids were around twenty grand. i am like, that's up there, but it's a nice, clean, restored car, you know. And then I, saw, I popped on there today, the final day. It sold for $55,000. That number is nuts because this generation of car doesn't bring that kind of interest. No. And when you were describing the interior, you said this is pretty sparse. There's Correct. nothing that, but, that amazing inside it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's starting to bring those. I mean, obviously, it's starting to bring those kind of numbers. But yeah. I don't think, I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the muscle car craze that we had in like the late 60s and 70s was bringing big money. But I think it's starting to go to this because the people that can afford that stuff, they never saw those. Right. right. They, they never saw those. This and people of this era yeah. didn't take care of them. They just drove them. Right. So if you get ones that are good. This is the kind of wagon that, you know, somebody got and, you know, somebody was a house painter and they put paint in it and they drove it until it didn't run and then they trashed it. So these things, I, I agree with that. And that's that's what draws me to, there's a Facebook group called uh, Love the Cheapies. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all, you know, small dog dish hubcaps. I'll probably be on that website tonight. Oh, Daryl, oh. add me to the group. I, mean, it's, <laughs> I will. I will. It's great, though. I love cars like this that shouldn't have survived, but yeah. somehow right. did. And that's that's another reason why I think, I don't know if it's 50, worth 55K, but you know, I, I'd do twenty twenty five or something like some that. Some microbrewery and that's a good Orange find. County probably bought it. And and, and, and Eric it. pointed out it it's a two door station wagon. It's, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Do like that. So that's that was my choice. Uh, I got to talk to my banker, but I, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull that one off. <laughs> Eric, you're uh, you're going across the pond again. Yeah, I find myself with a Porsche again. I don't know why that is. Now I will have you know, this week I did bid on a car and bring a trailer. You, you did, and I I must have missed that. I, did you put that on uh, the uh, page? I, I, whenever uh, I, I find a midlife crisis car, I always share it online. and I always Tags ask, his wife. I always ask my wife for permission, and then when I get really serious, I call her and say, hey, this car is at a price where I think I could buy it. And then we go back and forth a little bit, and then she's like, well, if you think it's a good deal. <laughs> so so it was a 90 Celica GTS. You know, everybody knows I love the GTS, all-wheel drive, oh, yeah. supercharged, I'm sorry, turbo on that one. And uh, I rode to 6700 I think it sold for 71 but the fees were going to be about 400 bucks. So I, I didn't want to be over 7000 on the car. And, uh, boy, the last second. I hopped in the last minute, and two other guys hopped in who hadn't bid at all on the car. And uh, it was it got really interesting there and bring a trailer. It's kind of, not a bad price, though, because you've been watching those for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and I think, I mean, on a super clean one, there was one here in uh, Peoria area that was selling for 9000 And you know what? The guy, you could ask 9000 for it. This car, I don't think the body was as clean. The engine didn't look as clean, uh, so I thought the seven thousand was a fair price. But uh, ultimately, I'd rather have the newer body style. So if I'm going to save my pennies and get a bargain, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait a little bit. But 
I was I was on the hook yeah. for a short time. I took the bait and ran with it for a few minutes. Sometimes you got it. Yeah, yeah. It was a, my highest bid to date on Bring a Trailer, by the way. Did you bid on that black one? No. Oh, okay. I bid on a gray GTS, but it was just front-wheel drive. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to my car. It's also in Bring a Trailer. It is a X Vix Skirmont's 1957 Porsche 356A race car. And, of course, it came with my weekly email alert from... Uh, Bring a trailer. If you have not signed up for the weekly updates, they come Monday yeah. morning in your inbox, and <laughs> and they're just filled with pictures of beautiful cars. And of course, this one was on there. It's a white little Porsche. Uh, it's a race car. It's got a roll cage on the top, taking the front glass off it. It's red and white, and it's just glorious with its numbers on it. Just screams race me. So of course, I had to click on the link. It's a 1957 356A, built by Reuter as a coupe, and was reportedly modified to an open race car in the 70s. Following decades as a race car, it's currently being used as a, as a street car. Power is provided by a flat four of a 912 paired with a close ratio four-speed manual Porsche gearbox. Further modifications are composite body panels, roll cage, coil over suspension. It's got disc brakes, uh, some aftermarket instrumentation. And it was purchased by Vic Skirmonts in 1977, who uh, drove the car for several decades, winning the 1994 SSCA G Production Championship in the car for his purchase by the seller. In 2018. Now that's the weird part there. The 2018 number. Mm-hmm. So this guy got the car, had it in his garage, and and maybe buyer's remorse. I don't know. Uh, it's not going to appreciate in one year. No, I just think that that's one of those deals where somebody got excited about a car, got it, and then they're like, yeah, I'm not going to race this thing. This this thing is a race car. Yeah. So, or realized real quickly that they're not as good a driver as they thought they were. Yeah. Or it's not a sport you can just pick up and then... God, I think even if you suck at the sport, you still have fun in this car. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, So... Would it look better as a coupe? Or is it... It's like the open open air and the roll cage. Is that just like... I I think a plastic windshield would look really cool in this. Yeah. Just a little little half windshield or something just to Mm -hmm. keep the bugs out of your teeth. Sure. um, Now, the one thing about this was, I mean, Vic Skirmonts was all over this thing. I don't know who Vic Skirmonts is. and Maybe this is kind of like the guy you were talking about down in La Harp. Maybe he's famous. He's renowned. I did Google him. He's the owner of 356 Racing. And he's got a nice website of cars he's got for sale. He's always racing SCCA and the circuit. And so it made me wonder out loud, my you know, here to you guys, can you make money in that occupation? But then when I see you know how much cars are going for, I guess you can make money selling cars. I don't know that you make money in the SCCA circuit. In the old Porsches, yeah. Like, what's the other guy? You see him in like Auto Week and stuff. Is it Bruce? Is it Canapa or Canapa? Canapa Design. I think he was another like really good Porsche racer, and I think he was amateur. He might be professional. Someone might correct me. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of morphed that into a career of, I'm just going to buy old Porsches and fix them up and sell them. And the guy does international business. I mean, he gets like... Name the, recognition. Yeah, huge. He's got a, a showroom somewhere. I don't know where. But uh, he, he gets like the old RSs and like the real rare, uh, rare stuff from the 60s and 70s. And those cars... Even the 80s ones with the accordion bumpers that as a kid, you know, 16 grand tops, those things are going for almost triple digits now. Wow. So, wow. I, I can't imagine. What was the what was the price on this one? Uh, it was going for 35 this afternoon, and it was ending today, but uh, I didn't check it out. And since the power's out, I'm not going to bother trying right now. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but no, it's a cool car, and uh, that'll just be one more in my virtual garage. It'll I dig look, it. It will look beautiful right there. I dig it. That garage is getting full, Eric. I think it is. It might be time to have a... Uh, 
Maybe we should have like a museum showing or something. We should. Yeah, of virtual cars. We put pictures up all around the garage. So this... <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent all this money. Yeah, more weather alerts. Uh, all right, so if you haven't noticed, we're on the recorder, the Zoom recorder, just killing the end of this show because all of our fancy high-dollar equipment doesn't work when the electricity's out. So uh, there are no moments of must tonight. I think Elon maybe shot that lightning bolt from... Might have. From Orange County, maybe. I just shot it over here. Uh, Jason from Toyota Trucks and Trails did ask me point blank when I was sitting with him. He goes, what is your deal with Elon Musk? (laughs) He'd had enough. And he said it in kind of a southern accent. What is your deal with Elon Musk? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, the guy just says stupid stuff so much I have to pile on, right? It's a it's a fun segment. I've heard a lot of people say they they look forward to it. Yeah. Well, you didn't get it this week, folks. So tune in next time. I, we're going to save it for when we're getting uh, paid for uh, sponsorship by the Casey Law Office. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> all right. So that's all I got for this show. Uh, thanks again for joining, and really thanks, Jake, for coming in and contributing. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I like I said, I've been listening to the podcast kind of quietly, so excited to be here. Thanks. It's always a pleasure when we have someone uh, someone in the studio. So that's even better when they like cool stuff. So that yeah. that helps. It's not better when the power goes out, though. Wah, wah. <laughs> Till next uh, time. Yeah, tune in. Uh, remember, check us out on all of our regular haunts. The Facebook page www.throwingwrenches.com. That's where I also have this article where I skewer rich rebuilds on the Joe Rogan show. If you haven't read that article, and uh, good link to that podcast too, by the way. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, that's about it. So, power's out. Have a nice night. Laters.